It's World Laughter Day, but we're going to talk about some stuff that's serious. Talking to Usman Ali next. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Breaking into. Cockroaches in the ratchet. Hand me downs with the patches. Mama put a little money in the mat. Music's good. You can either sink. So what is his name? So we will know this at home. J-I-D-E-N-A. Wow, this is cool, you guys. Hello, welcome to Breaking Into here on Black Hollywood Live. I'm your host, James Law Jr. And we're listening to some new music. I love hearing new things that are out there because not everything's played on MTV. They don't even play videos on MTV. Uh, you can follow us, of course, on on YouTube and on iTunes under Breaking Into, under Black Hollywood Live. We're there. There's a Facebook page called Breaking Into. Like the page. All good stuff. My guest today, he's a talented actor of stage, screen, video games, movies, voiceover. He's in a few shows you may have heard of, like Veep, series of Most Fortunate Adventures on Netflix, and a new series called Nobodies on TV Land. So he's doing all those things. He's also a playwright. We're going to talk about some of his stuff he's done with that writing. And we're going to talk about what it's like to be a man of color in this industry, because, you know, we're here on Black Hollywood Live. We're going to talk all about it. My friend, Usman Ali. Hey, how's it going? Good, welcome. Thank you so much, happy to be here. My head was shaved a second ago, and it oh, grew back in like one week. We could have been twinsies. God, I know. And it, I mean, <laughs> in one week it grew back. It's like, how did my hair grow back so fast? This is an enviable problem you have. I, I know, I know. <laughs> I, should, I, should, I shouldn't really complain, can I? <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Now, wait, so you were from Swaziland? I was born in Swaziland, yeah, that's wow. correct. Wow. Yeah. I lived there for about three years, okay. and then after that, I spent the first 18 years of my life in uh, Africa. So wow. I was, uh, grew up in Botswana, Kenya, and wow. Tanzania, um, and also spent about a year and a half in Pakistan, which is where my parents are from. Yeah, yes. Um, so I, yeah, I went to high school in Tanzania, and then wow. once I was done with that, I came to the States. Was there a culture shock? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, what's important is that sometimes people ask me that question and they expect me to be like, oh, you know, the buildings are so big and this and that. That's not the case. I mean, there's this misconception that exists that, you know, African yes. places in Africa are very underdeveloped and whatnot. I lived in very large cities yeah. uh, like Nairobi and Dar es Salaam. Oh, wow. Uh, but the, the culture shock was more in terms of like, wow, the, you know, food over here is uh, the portions are pretty large you <laughs> yes. know what I mean yeah. or like everybody drinks ice water here you know as yes. a, and uh, things yeah. like that or like billboards there's so much commercialization yeah. you know that's yeah. just everywhere you look so those are the things that sort of took me a while I also when I came from Tanzania I moved to Portland, Oregon <laughs> okay, so that was a, a bit of a culture uh, shock yes. in another way where it was just very homogenous lovely people yeah. oh yeah, no, yeah I love Portland super, super li- liberal place but yes. um, just very homogenous you know <laughs> yes. very white so that was uh, <laughs> that was a bit of a, yeah. a, a surprise. To I'm me. glad you said that. That's kind of, that's actually what I meant by not because I know people go straight to like it must mm-hmm. be. Did you eat dirt for breakfast? Ah, like, yeah, right. you know, Africa is there's very much development. <laughs> and right. um, is it is it Nigeria that has the third largest, fourth largest movie capital? Oh yeah, Nollywood. I think. Yeah, uh, I think that's what it's called. What's anyway, called? Or Lolly, maybe it's in Lagos or yeah. It's, like, it's, it's huge. Yeah, massive, massive. So people massive. understand. It's like there's some there's some stuff going yeah. on over there. It's big, and that's that's why I meant. It's just like it must be different because our attitudes are different. Yeah. Um, how was it for you? Because I mean, because you're, so you're Pakistani. Yeah, my parents are, and that's my but, ethnicity, right? But you're but you're African too, I guess. I am. Yeah. I you mean, are. in some ways, I am an African American. Yeah, I'm a U.S. citizen, that. and I'm born in Africa and spent my entire life there. So my question to you is mm. the just the attitudes of when you ran across maybe militant black Americans who uh-huh. are trying to be African, how did, how did that initially hit you maybe? Um, I thought it was uh, 
it was a noble thing for them to feel like they wanted to reconnect with yeah. with their background or wherever they might be from. But sometimes it was a little vague, you know, because there's a lack of uh, um, sort of actual education into like, yeah. you know, looking into where you are actually from yeah. and what it's like over there. And it's always a very interesting relationship between, you know, black Africans from mm-hmm. Africa and black African-Americans. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there is still a, a level of... You know, you're still an American at the end of the day to a lot of that. African people, you know. So mm-hmm. it was interesting. I mean, I've experienced quite a lot of different sorts of people over here and, and they're either misconceptions or preconceived notions of what Africa is like. You mm-hmm. know? Do they, what do they say when they see you most of the time? What are some of the reactions mm-hmm. they think you are? People think I'm Arab more than yeah, anything else. That. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, often, I mean, and it's, you know, I interestingly, I came to this country a year before nine eleven. Oh wow! So it was a different time. Oh, then, I'm sure. Yes. And then right after nine eleven, things changed quite dramatically. So <laughs> there was almost this. I would even say I was before nine eleven. I was almost invisible to people. Like I was just like this minority oh, that funny. didn't really exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they didn't know much about me. Some people thought I might be Indian. Some people. Okay. Do you know what I mean? It's, yes. And uh, Indian makes sense because Pakistan is pretty yeah. much Indian. Yeah. You know, yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes. Um, but but it's. Um, but then after 9-11, it became like this, that was, I always say to people that 9-11 is like the birth moment of what my ethnicity is to white people. Like, that's where we were born Ooh, out of. Do you know what I mean? interesting. That's interesting, yeah. And, it, and that's how we were sort of perceived in television and film, too. Do you know what I mean? For so long, for example, black African Americans, you know, slavery is like the defining mm-hmm. beginning moment, you know, the yes. birth narrative, quote unquote. And mm-hmm. so, so much what, what we see in the media was black people being portrayed as slaves mm-hmm. and that's sort of that journey. And so yes. for us, it's almost like 9-11 and this terrorist wow. attack is this moment where we become part of the consciousness of the United States and people have this, you know, precon- this idea that's completely, you know, miseducated, I would say, yeah. about who we are. And that's, so that's why initially those first, well, even right now, you know, uh, how we're shown on television is either as like terrorists or... Yeah. or <coughs> and you talk about we're gonna talk about some of your work because you mm-hmm. do talk about throughout your work. This is an interesting chain of thought. So you so you're basically kind of invisible because in America it's usually like black, white, Latino, that's Asian. Right. That's it. Yeah. Um, but then after nine eleven, it's heightened, obviously, and yeah. anybody looks like none of those four people, then you mm-hmm. must be a, a terrorist and a Muslim. Yeah. Um, so then coming into this business. So when did you come into this? Did you come in right after that? Or, I mean, was there, was there some time period between then? Well, you know, I once on, when I was a kid, I, I kind of always knew that I was going to be an okay. actor. I mean, I or in the arts in some yeah. way. I always was interested in doing, like, um, educational outreach through the arts. That was my, I like that. my whole thing. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what, what took me to Chicago, which is we can talk about. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I think... I always wanted to be in the theater. I wasn't necessarily interested in television and film initially. You know <laughs> How funny! I mean? And so in the theater, there were there were more opportunities also to play things that weren't mm-hmm. about you know the political climate that we existed in necessarily, mm-hmm. where brown is bad. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, that's where I was, and I was doing that for a long time. And I think now, as 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 the years are passing along, and more people of color are at the table do you know what I mean mm-hmm. like at the writing mm-hmm. table yes, at the right. producing level things yeah. are changing narratives are changing you know social media is allowing people to be is empowering people yes. to also have an opinion of what they see when they don't if they don't like something mm-hmm. in terms of how it's being whitewashed or whatnot. Mm-hmm. so things are changing but certainly when I started about you know 17 years ago it was wow. it was uh, it was different you know yeah because it must be it must be hard for someone I mean for someone who's not in this country, especially who's not black or white, right? 
Because I mean, after that, everybody else is. I mean, we, yeah. it's hard for blacks too. But I mean, I think we have it a little easier than, than Asian uh-huh. or South Asian mm-hmm. or you know Samoan. I mean, like, it's, it's like there's like, there's this whole area that no one like talks about. Like they're they're after. Yeah. And you have to fight against that kind Certainly, of beginning, especially yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, you know, I, it's always been interesting. Like certain theaters, for example, they'll do this thing where they're like they want to diversify their programming, so they have like a play where they collaborate with an African American theater company or a yeah. Latino theater company. And then we're like, so what about us? Right. Where we don't fit into those narratives or those stories. Right. You know, you have stories to tell. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, it's constantly a battle for more representation. You know, accurate representation, mm-hmm. and that battle continues and will continue for a long time I do think progress is being made it's incremental sometimes you know Mm -hmm. But it's happening. Well, I mean, you get, you get people like Priyanka Chopra, who's, you know, lead of a mm-hmm. network TV show. Right. That yeah. doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Even though we've seen a lot of South Asian and Indian people mm-hmm. kind of spread around on shows now. Sure, yeah. For a while, there was like, all of a sudden, it was like, oh, there's a, that's the person now, and that's a South Asian all of yeah, a sudden. Yeah. Um, and then for a while, it's like, oh, now all of a sudden, it's a Korean. You know, there's, mm-hmm. always, there's always things that you kind of go through these things. It's Certainly. kind of cyclical, yeah. weird yeah. things. Absolutely. And I think... Um, you know, I just worked on a show for uh, YouTube Red. They're doing okay. their own, like, um, subscription series. Yeah, they're doing well. their own programming, yeah. actually, yeah. It's called Lifeline. It's just this sci-fi thing, and mm-hmm. we, we shot about 10 episodes. But on set, there was me, and then there was another South Asian actor, Sankrish Balat. Together? And, oh, my and God. there was two of us. Oh, my we God. Like, whoa. <laughs> like, this is weird, you know? We're no, we didn't go for the same role. We're playing two very different yes. roles. We're both like major roles on yes. this television show and there's two of wow. us and there's no commentary it wasn't that the story you know sometimes the narrative is telling you that well we need two of them because the story is about either how they conflict yeah. with each other or they're doing something no we were two separate storylines wow. but in the same show so That's you know amazing. incremental progress is happening right let's let's um, show the first clip yeah, we've had five minutes left. Just kidding. I need something, something, something. <laughs> like, we're done. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Actually, that was a good conversation so far. So let's show this. This is what oh, I wow. want. This is what I want. This is actually leads right into that a little bit. This is from 2009. Yeah. American ready for the first organic, non-hydrogenated soy, partially sun-dried, distilled natural spring alloy alternative green. The first multi-tribe biomonitor for the first. All satellite 24 hour digital to finally run this nation like an assembly line. Is America strong enough, mature enough? Has it, has it healed? Has it lived in a grass hut? Has it been in the Peace Corps? Denounced its upbringing and grown along with the earth. Has it sang loud enough for the judges? Has it completed the physical requirements? Can it walk the runway? Can it lose the weight? Is it ready for the first self propelled Self-medicated. Self-loathing. Can it handle the impact of a full-fledged, wavering, moderate neutralist with right-wing tendencies and a sympathy for 1960s beach films? Is it ready? I say that a America couldn't be more ready. It's a UFO sighting, Miley Cyrus obsessed, prize bucket of chicken, PT, Barnum and Bailey Circus. Would elect a donut if it promised cheaper gas. Good Slash burn. Turn the other cheek. Bite off the nose and disco ball nonstop. I love that. And that's oh, eight that's so years funny. ago. Wow. Like, literally, this March, so we're yeah. in May. That's eight years ago. Oh, my God. When you look at that, what first, did the first things come to mind? Oh, wow. You were smiling and stuff. So, what? <laughs> at least you were smiling. You were smiling, everybody. You were smiling. Yeah, um, you know, first of all, I had the chance when I did that to work with two incredible uh, slam poets, and uh, Idris Goodwin and Kelly Zenyitsai, who are... Kelly's in New York. Idris is now, I think, in New Mexico, okay. like, working as a professor. Okay. Uh, and a playwright as well. Yeah. Um, but just working on that and seeing that now, I'm like, wow... 
um, I would be interested to see what we would come up with in Ooh, this day and age, you know, today, like, yeah. because that was very much, we wrote that piece, um, and a few other pieces together. Uh, we had the show called American Ethnic uh, in mm-hmm. Chicago, sort of dealing with the idea of ethnicity and lack of representation. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes, so yes. It's interesting that eight years later, I'm still having this conversation. Okay. What a shame. Thing. Right. But I see yeah. that now. And I just wonder how we would change that up with, you know, living in Trump's I'd be curious America, too. I'd know? be curious too. Yeah. It's, it's like, I, I, I do spoken word and I have, mm-hmm. I just released my book, first book of poetry. It's on oh, Amazon. Cool. cool. Um, I was a very, um, thank you. It was very, I had to be very vulnerable to get it, put it on, actually put it on Amazon and uh-huh. like, and like sell the book. It was very interesting. Um, yeah. there's been some nice response to it. Um, but I love that form of expression. Yeah. I, I go I, I go to the New Rican Poet Society in yeah. New York. I love that place. Yeah. And I'm part Puerto Rican and everything, so I love the whole thing. And I just love how you really can get a lot across. Yeah. And then you know we can and and in one like slam slam you're talking you can make somebody laugh, yeah. cry, yeah. you know, chortle, you know, yeah. get serious, get quiet. I mean like I was laughing, I was looking, I was like right. plus visually looking at the three of you visually was very interesting. Right. How interesting, right, to see an African American man, an Asian American woman yeah. and myself as well in there, you know, all together. Yeah. I mean you know, slam poetry for me when I started, in co- I started doing that in college, and I was working with a hip hop theater collective in Portland, Oregon. Then I went to grad school in Florida, okay. actually, and over there I started up a hip hop collective as oh, well. Wow. Yeah, and we used to sort of, um, you know, collaborate on on works in terms of creating lyrics that sort of dealt with the issues that we were seeing as young people of color around us. And I find that sort of work to be. Um, incredibly fulfilling for young artists you know for mm-hmm. me it gave me a voice and in some ways you know saved me from my from say, a lot of things myself too. from you know mm-hmm. it just allowed me to have an avenue where I could express myself pretty succinctly too you know because mm-hmm. that's the thing it's sound poetry can be expansive but you get a lot across in like mm-hmm. a, and it may be like a rhyming couplet you know it's yeah. Shakespearean in that way as yeah, well because is. you're getting so much in there and yeah. people are responding to it so differently but I haven't done that in a while. I used to perform at the Green Mill in Chicago, okay. uh, which is a fantastic sort of, some people say, the birth of the deaf poetry okay. movement, you know, okay. the slam poetry movement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chicago's a great, great time for that sort of thing. And that's where we did that, uh, American Ethnic. I just, you know, for me, it just, it, just, it, it saved me also because I'm, I'm a painter mm-hmm. and that's one form that helps bring stuff out. But for some reason, writing something down yeah. and just and choosing how I want to say it. Right. I like some parts, like I'm writing it down. And I'm angry. I can actually, I can say it angrily. Yeah, and you know, your audience will will right. embrace that. Do right. You know what I mean? That the, the, it's great because it's so freeing, right? It allows you to sort mm-hmm. of express yourself without necessarily the judgment. I mean, people will yeah, maybe have their right. opinions right. certainly, right. but it's uh, I just you know what it is. The word for me is it was empowering. Yes. You know, I needed that at a, at a point in my life, particularly when I felt like I was being. Uh, marginalized over here that I needed a way to speak out without harming myself or harming someone. Do you know what I mean? You just said it took words out of my mouth. Yeah. Because that was for me too because there was a time in this business where I just kind of felt like I'm not, I hit a plateau Yeah. and maybe we can speak about this. You hit a plateau and you're like they're seeing me just as this black guy. Mm-hmm. Or for me, this old guy. Right. And like, I'm not going to shave my goatee off. I'm keeping it gray. I'm not going to change it. Mm-hmm. And I want to stick with that conviction. But then anger does come in when certain mm-hmm. jobs don't come to you. Right. Or, yeah. or you know, sometimes in Hollywood, they're very blunt. Yeah. Sorry, you're, just, you're not black enough. Or you're, just, right. or you're too yeah. black. Or you too, I mean, they'll say things oh to you. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard that stuff like yes. that, too. Um, and you have to think, you develop a thick skin, of course. But sometimes it does get to you. And Absolutely. I found that writing it down and getting it out and performing it out and yeah. just getting it out... <sighs> Absolutely. 
Yeah, you sometimes you can't let that stuff fester. You know, yes. I I remember I did a short piece on like um, how there's no, for example, South Asian doctors on any of the doctor shows on TV. Do you oh, know wow. what I mean? Like on right. Grey's Anatomy or on now the Chicago Med. There's like yeah, not a right. single one. And in the real world, you know, you the vast majority, <laughs> vast majority of your doctors are probably going to be South Asian. Mine are so yeah. yeah so you, like, so yes. you can either let that. Sh- excuse me. That's why I hate. Yeah, okay, yeah, you can either let that fester yeah. or you can let it out and in a creative form. Yeah. And that that's what it was for me, was allowing myself to sort of uh, get it out, you know, just put it out there. So let me ask you, so, mm-hmm. and so as you're navigating, you have, you have a manager and you have people and mm-hmm. work for you and everything. So how are you these last couple of years? Right. You said we have a new America these days. Right. Um, how has that affected you and your representation and trying to get navigate your way? Because you're on a few shows right now. We'll, yeah. talk each, we'll talk about each show and all that kind of stuff. But just in general, yeah. how is that affecting your movement in this business? You know what? I I was um, smart enough, I suppose, uh, early in my career to make it clear to my representatives um, what I would do on television good. and film and what I wouldn't. Okay, good. Um, and for me having that clear line of conversation with them was really important. You know, my agent is like a small Chicago boutique agent, even mm. today, even yeah. out here in L.A., and oftentimes people are surprised by that. Um, but it's essential for me to have a, a line of communication with them where they know that I'm a theater actor who's trained, who isn't necessar- isn't interested in playing the guy underneath the bus who plants the bomb and blows up a bunch of school kids. And I say that as an example because mm-hmm. that is some those are things that oh, are sure. o- often put towards us. Yeah. Um, so establishing that early on for me, yes, did I lose jobs and was I broke yeah, for sure. a while? Absolutely. But And I don't ever judge anyone who takes those roles because... Right people's personal lives sometimes dictate that we have to yes, you know I did true. an episode of a television show once where I did play one of those <laughs> kinds of roles and I regretted it instantly mm-hmm. but at that time I needed you it either. you know what I mean yeah. um, so I don't judge it but I think it's important to know know yourself know mm. what you're willing to do and realize that at the end of the day um, if you don't take this one something else will come yeah. something else will always come you just have to wait to find it and be proactive and ready to take it when it does do you know mm-hmm. what I mean I like that that's yeah. very that, that's true it's, 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 yeah, no judge anybody who yeah. does the things that we don't want to do mm-hmm. like I said everybody has their own lines they draw and right. sand yeah. I just went for you like I said for me it's just figuring out because you have this conviction of certain things you don't want to do mm-hmm. you have to nerve, you have to navigate this business a certain way then yeah absolutely obviously. and again I, I just have to stress sometimes it's not important about you know, there's people like, well, you should be with a really big agency. And I'm like, well, those guys might completely lose track of me. You know, they might yes. be like, well, why don't you want to do this? I don't want to have to go through those conversations again that I've mm-hmm. had where it's like, you know, th- these are the reasons why I am the way I am and what I'm willing to do. So it's yeah. important to establish that very early on. I think. And I want to say out loud to people, small business, there's nothing wrong with small business. I'll say mm-hmm. to every camera. So <laughs> boutique anything yeah. is not always bad. It's Everybody goes to big, like you said, you get lost in the shuffle. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, your, your people are working for you, I'm sure. They're working very hard. Right. And, you know, and uh, people are, again, very surprised that they're like, so your reps are based out of Chicago? I'm like, well, they have an office in L.A., but really, they're a Chicago agency, and they do do very well for well, me. Well, nowadays, I feel like with technology and you know, phones mm-hmm. and tablets, you have to, you, I mean, you don't really have to be in L.A. or New York. That's I right, think yeah. you can nowadays. Yeah, I think Work so. around it on some level. Yeah, I think you could certainly, particularly in the beginning, like when yeah. I was doing a lot of theater in Chicago, I would do some television too, and it would be out of Chicago or New York, yeah. and you know, and I steadily built up a resume of credits. And yeah. then when the time felt right, when I had certain momentum, then yeah. I came out to Los yeah. Angeles, you know. And so that worked for me. Yeah. I think that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of one of the roles that you do have, 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 like have reoccur on, mm-hmm. I showed a picture, of course, this is um, the first one that does this thing, it's the cheap pick. 
Yeah, that ah. one. On Veep. That's right. Okay, yeah. first of all, that yeah. show is one of the funniest about World Laughter yeah. Day. It'll be on tonight. One of the funniest shows on television. The dialogue. I just want to ask. I've, yeah. I've, I've interviewed several people from Veep. I want about the dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's so you have to listen to it when you watch the show. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. It's quick. It's they, there's like pop culture references in there. It's vulgar in some way. Right. I mean, like. How, your character's fine. That's how I first noticed you was on there, of yeah, course. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was in season five and yes. a couple of episodes, and it was and it was a quick introduction of who I am. And yes. I come back now in season six, which okay. just started airing, and it's yes. a, a really nice character arc that they've given me Good. for, like, a few episodes. So I'm really excited for people to see that. It'll start, um, my episode starts, I think, May 21st okay. or so. Okay, so come up this month. Um, so it's really great. But working on that show, I mean, <laughs> you know, it was a funny thing. I was a big fan of the show for yeah. the longest time. I loved it. I have a couple of friends who were like, oh, my God, it's the best comedy on TV. And it's everybody's the best show. Good the best show. Everybody's great. And so I just had put it into my agency here one day. I was like, look, I, I got to get on this show. I'll do anything, <laughs> anything on this, on this, you know, whatever small role. Yes. And it turned out to be that I was, you know, I got on the show. I got to work with them. And again, these past few months I've been working with yeah. them. And it is a fantastic environment because everyone on the show is incredibly smart. Do you know what I mean? Ooh, yeah. The writers are very, very yeah. smart. You know, the the showrunner, Dave Mandel, is, like, top-notch. He's constantly, yeah. like, he's just... And, you know, the thing is, they all work really hard. I believe it. You know, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is... She's obviously an icon, but at the same time, she... You know, she'll shoot a scene with you, and then she'll run straight to the cameras and watch the playback, and then she'll have notes for the writers, she'll have notes for the producers, she'll have notes for the scene. You know, and then she comes back and does a scene again. She's very collaborative, which is the other thing. They're they're all about, like, input. One of the really great things about that show is it's the first time I worked on a show where they they almost... um, tell you that hey you should overlap like we should really talk oh, you over they, each they, other they do absolutely all the time yes. you know, they, they shoot it in such a way where they're not that concerned about like losing your audio or yeah. something so they're like yeah yeah just just her her thing that she always says is she says, hey we got to judge this up a little bit exactly. do you know what I mean and yes. so that we get in there and try to make it more natural yeah. so it's less TV talky do you know what I mean I told you I yeah. Really, yes. she's fantastic so working on that was a dream come true for me and um I'm really excited about this season. Do you... I mean, okay, because I, I only imagine... Do you guys have a hard time keeping a straight face sometimes when you were doing your scenes? I, I, I did not have such a hard time okay, because good. I was so focused. Okay. I was like, I can't mess this yes. up. You <laughs> know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, I, I'm intimidated at yeah, first. I mean, sure. working with her, you know, oh, she's know. she's so good, you know. And she's even if so you're good. confident about your abilities, which I am, I was still like, this is... Fucking <laughs> you know what I mean? So... so no, I get it. I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, I certainly... And but everyone on that show, and what they do is typically they will do the scene once, you know. Then they'll say, "Okay, let's make these adjustments," and then they'll give you alt lines, which is like, "Hey, this time when you're in the middle of that monologue, throw this joke in there." Do you oh know what I mean? Oh my god! And there were sometimes where I remember one night we were shooting, and they said, "Hey, by the way, we have that big scene coming up, so we have to rewrite it." And I was like, okay. And then we sat at the table with the writers, wow. you know, and we sort of like figured out how to write the scene. It turned out very different than what it originally was. Wow. And then they're like, okay, let's quickly run it and then shoot it. So you have to learn it like right on right, the fly. Yeah, on the fly. So, you know, and it's surprising when you're under that kind of pressure, your brain just clicks into gear and, yeah. and you can get it down. You know? Yeah. The next day, I remember I had an audition for something and they'd give me the lines like an hour before and I couldn't get them done because I didn't care so as funny. much. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, this is too soon. You know? But on set, it was like, yeah. that moment and I got him because that it's just sense. you know you're you're that invested and everyone is like it's like an organism everyone's working together towards the same thing 
It was a fantastic show. To watch. I get that feeling from mm-hmm. it. I do. Just from what you, you guys on HBO, it's on Sunday. It's, it's so yeah. Just the the, the I mean, guess the dialogue is just so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just so nasty sometimes. So too. nasty. I mean, and everyone, it's all fair game. Right? It sure, it sure like, is. <laughs> they will make fun of everybody <laughs> and anyone, right? They do. It doesn't matter, like black, brown, <laughs> the, you know, gay, straight, male, whatever, tall, straight, yeah. short. They make fun of everybody. everybody. And it's so, but it's one of those shows that I really, I, I sit down. I was called like one of the Thinking Man show. I just sit down and I want to hear all the yeah. dialogue. Yeah. There's some sight gags in there too, Lord, but it's mostly. And it's funny because it's a very conversational show. Yeah, sure. And, and it moves fast. It moves right? fast. Yeah. But every single person, and I was laughing because um, I met Matt Walsh. Uh huh. And of course, he started UCB here. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. He's good, but he's the one. Just I mean, they're so good. <laughs> I know Matt's really good as oh, well. Oh, he's, 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 he's fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, he's so hilarious. They're all. They're, I mean, they're right. all. They're all. They're all good. I mean, Tony yeah. Haley, everybody, everybody, yeah. everybody's just so good. Um, Matthew uh, Robertson, everybody, everybody's just everybody's just so good on that show. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I, you were really good on it too. Thank you. Um, another show that you um, do. We're going to show part of this clip. I can't remember how long it is. I think I think I set it up where it should be. Yes. Oh, right. So let's show this. We're going to talk about this. This is another um, interesting show. Yep. She can tell you everything you need to know. Do you live with our Aunt Josephine? I am your Aunt Josephine. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. I am Stefano. It's afternoon. Enter Count Olaf. The only reason why Count Olaf hasn't torn you limb from uh-huh. limb is yeah. because he hasn't gotten a hold of your fortune. He'll never get away with this. Your fortune will be mine. Carve deal. Seize the children. Seize the day. I said day. <laughs> Another... Major release, obviously. Yeah. When this came out, it was just like it's it's on Netflix, and mm-hmm. you can see it, and you can stream the whole thing, and you're in that. Another major, Neil Patrick Harris, of course, yes, playing yeah. Olaf, and of course, it was books, and it was also so it had mm-hmm. its own following. How has that experience been for you? Uh, crazy. I mean, it's uh, with no hand. With yeah, the I got the hooks on my hands, and yes. you know, I've gotten quite good with those actually. I can really, do, I can do quite a lot of things. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's a great show, yeah. and uh, I was excited to be a part of it just because I knew it had this huge following, mm-hmm. and and they were kind of like lining it up with all these really big, you know, producing names like uh, Barry Sonnenfeld is our yes. showrunner, yes. you know. So and Neil, of course, is is fantastic. But um, yeah, really good. We're in our second season now. I we're know. Uh, I'm actually flying back up to Vancouver tonight to continue the Very second good. season. Very We've got good. I think a ten episode season coming. Good. Up, so it's good. And um, you know the, the fans has been has sure. been like a trip. Do you know I'm what I mean? sure. They, I'm they, sure. They are so into it. Is this your first sh- project where you have these cultish fans? I guess the fans, I guess for you. Mm, yeah, I think so. Like really, like the like the particularly where a project where I have there's a cult following and I have a relatively large role yeah I've done like a, I was in like a very small role in like one of the Star Trek films and even that <laughs> is like people like oh my god I gotta get your eyes I'm sure I'm sure you know at conventions and things yeah. but but uh, with this show they're just you know I think there's people have this nostalgic connection to it all these people who are in their 20s right now who grew up reading the books yes. you know and then their kids reading it right now yes. too families reading it together um, and it's great because it's, it's very dark in some ways so adults can kind of get yeah. into it as well and then it's still light enough where you can watch it with your kids too um, it's been a really really good experience now, you, tell me about who you play just in case you've never seen who you play in oh the yeah movie. so I'm the hook handed man who's also <laughs> called Fernald that's yes. his real name but he's just known as hooky kind of <laughs> 
Yes. He's uh, one of Count Olaf, played by Neil Patrick Harris, one of Count Olaf's uh, henchmen. Yes. And so Count Olaf is constantly trying to get his hands on these um, <laughs> these orphans yes. who have been given to him, initially uh, wrongly given to him for yes. uh, safekeeping. But he wants to basically kill them so yeah. he can get their fortune. You know, <laughs> yes. they've been left this money. And there's a v- variety of side stories. And yeah. my character, for some reason, has this weird way of, like, communicating with the baby who's like an <laughs> infant toddler right uh, somehow understands what the baby's saying yes. you know it's it's kooky crazy yeah. off the wall but fantastic and I'm, I'm really pleased that we have some diversity on our show as well you know there's myself there's Alfred Asif, Woodard Alfred Woodard is fantastic yeah. Asif Mandvi from Daily Show yes I, I saw he was, I was like oh my yeah. god I love him too yes yeah he was in a couple of episodes playing a great role um, and then K. Todd Freeman who's a Chicago based well actually in New York now um, theater actor yeah. and also done television film has a great role of Mr. Pose, yeah, fantastic banker role, and he, um, you know, so there's there's us there playing those roles, adding a bit of color to it as well, and you know, going back to that whole conversation about representation, I, it's it's happening slowly. It must be interesting because that's you now this one that's a binge one. That, that one's already yeah. done once. Yeah. So I'm sure you're used to doing episodic TV yeah. where it's like it comes out next week. Sure, next right. Week. Yeah. This one's all out at once. I know. I was just talking to somebody about how how different that is because when they, when the, the show was about to come out. There was all this hype, hype, hype. And then when it came out, it blew up, and it was this it massive thing in January where everybody yes. was watching it. And then once January ended, it was like, "Hey, so what was the name of that show?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? like, you're like, "How do you maintain people's interest yes. on a show when they binge watch it all?" You know, right? I don't know what Netflix's formula is for that. I mean, they release so much yes. content you because, know? like, for me, I'm into Stranger Things, and that comes back. Yeah. In, that comes back in October. So I'm like, they, it does work on some level. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. Kimmy Schmidt and Grace and Frank. I mean, yeah. they, they, they really are reinventing how we watch television yeah although I think now some of the the streaming ch- channels like Hulu for example they're, they've created their own content yes. and I think that what they're doing is releasing maybe two at a time yes. or something, right? isn't The Handmaid's Tale or yes, them or yes exactly so you're doing like a few at a time you just mm-hmm. keep it going but, I mean, it's, but it's funny it's still it's, again we don't, you don't have to wait the next week for the next yeah. episode nowadays yeah. it's, kind of, it's a very I mean I, I remember the first start I was like it's not going to work you guys are crazy but now it's like no now this is great you can sit down and watch whenever you feel like it yeah there's yeah. one fish is all one weekend, and I guess fish is all one weekend. But there's like, yeah, yeah. I I know so many people are like, so I watched your show today. I'm like, what do you mean? Like the first episode? <laughs> they're like, no, 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 all eight episodes. I'm like eight episodes. Yeah. They're like over an hour long each. Yes. You know, so that's over eight hours of your life. Yes. You put it. Yes, so yeah, that's uh, that means. That, I mean something to them, I suppose, if they're going to you know, yes. spend eight hours. But, yeah, it's crazy. Yes, I love that. And um, what is one thing you can tell us about Neil Patrick Harris that we might be, because there's a lot said about him, mm-hmm. but what's going to be really interesting that we just maybe, that you can share, that you would be surprised by, you think, that um, you worked with them? You know what's maybe not surprising, but I was pleased to see is that Neil is incredibly dedicated to the craft of acting mm. not necessarily you know sometimes people see him and they think because he hosts all these award yeah. shows that he's very like polished and showbiz but he really gets down to like the the core of wow. a character even especially Count Olaf is a character that, that keeps changing he has a lot of disguises that he plays okay, different roles throughout the episodes every time he puts on a different disguise he really takes his wow. time to sort of get into it and it's it's very rare on a television show where you see an actor warming up you know, for like like we're on the stage. You yeah. Know? So I would see him doing like vocal warm ups and yes. physical warm ups, and I'm like, oh, that's very, that's normal to me because I'm, mm-hmm. I've done a lot of theater, but yeah. I don't ever see an actor doing that wow. on set, especially somebody who's like number one on the show. You know. Yeah. But he's always like 
But he's also he's, he's very theater too, I guess. Yeah, also. he yeah. is incredibly, and you yeah. see that come across, uh, and how he's been able to like straddle both worlds, almost yeah. as a performer on the t- on screen and also on stage. Really, really dedicated to what he's doing. Wow. Yeah. How how are the, how are the hooks? Like when they said you're gonna be you have hooks for hands. Right, I mean, like yeah. how? Do, I mean, you have to wear them all day long while you're. You'll be like, you take it off and like no, go to the bathroom. And you're like, uh, how does that work? I get breaks. I get breaks. <laughs> um, but they're good, man. I, I I can't give away the the magic of them or how. Course, how they work yes. but um but you know i get i put them on i i work with them as much as i can and, and they took a while to get used to because they're a little heavy actually are they heavy oh really yeah, oh. They, ha- they have some some weight to them you know and they are i mean it's metal at the end that, that i'm sort I guess of so yeah so. working with um but they're good and we've got a really great team up there that sort of created all these things for us as well i get a lot of breaks though as soon as we cut a scene i'm like uh hooks <laughs> de-hooking they're like de-hooking. you always hear the the 80s all right, all right time to hook with man up and then like all right de-hook de-hook you know <laughs> like we're hearing all the walkie talkies <laughs> Copy, copy, de-hooking. I love yeah. it. I love <laughs> it. A major de-hooking. Yeah. I like that. Um, now, let's show the next picture. And this is from yeah. the set of Nobodies. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not... You guys, he's tall in real life. I knew tall. he's taller than me, and I'm six feet tall. <laughs> and I look at that picture, and I go, wait a minute, you are taller than everybody else. Right. Okay, so let's talk about... Nobodies is produced by Melissa um, McCarthy and her That's man, right. uh, Ben... Ben Falcone. Ben Falcone. And so how that... And that's on TV Land. And so how did you get involved with that project? Uh, I just auditioned. I mean, it was one of those situations where they held an audition, and uh, I went in. And what was crazy about the audition was they were lines. Okay. But um, I was like, you know what? They are improv people... I can improv, so we're just oh, going to okay, improvise. Yes, yes. So when I went in there and playing, you know, I play this network studio executive who's um, who's uh, kind of larger than life, thinks very much of himself and yes. and whatnot. And you know, we we uh, improvise the scene where they're pitching their their show to me. <laughs> yes. And I just started like riffing into them, you know, like all about all kinds of things. I was like, so you know, how come there's no, no people of color in your show, or you know, and just, I brought in race and all. And the whole time I could hear Melissa in the background like watching the scene and cracking. Okay. forever and what was supposed to be like a two or three minute audition yeah. became like a 10 to 15 minute audition wow so it felt really great yes. of course when you leave an audition you never know no, you never know you're mm-hmm. like okay I mean I've been in somewhere I'm like that was amazing right and nothing crickets happened. you know what I mean <laughs> so um <laughs> So it was good. It worked out, and they called, and they, they hired me. And what was really great is that uh, a friend of mine, Tony Newsom, she plays the role of Grace, who um, is kind of like my cohort. Yes. And she went and auditioned right after me. Oh, wow. And we know each other from Chicago okay. Theater. And so now we're working together on this show as well on TV. Yes, that's so that's fine. always really nice. Yeah, you know? really nice. And much like Veep, Nobody's and Veep, they both have this huge wow. Chicago contingent, you know, of actors. Like you mentioned, uh, Matt Walsh. Yeah. And he's from Chicago, yep. and Kevin Dunn's from Chicago. Yep. I love Kevin Julia's Dunn. from okay. Chicago. Yeah. Went to Northwestern. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Gary Cole. Those are all the Veep all people. Good. Yes, you know? they're all so good. And then too. Nobody's Melissa McCarthy. Yes. Like she went to, no- I think she went to Northwestern, but I know she's from yep. Chicago or spent some time yeah. there too. And then Tony and myself. So it's interesting. A lot of these comedy shows have that sort of. Um, Chicago element. What's interesting? I'm proud of. You're bringing up. It's, it's funny because you all, we all think New York mm-hmm. and LA. Yeah. Nowadays, you may think Atlanta because people not Atlanta is a major hub now right. for stuff. But Chicago really has always had yeah. a large amount of people coming out of there that are yeah. in, that are permeate the comedians, right, you know, right, writers, right. producers, yeah. actors. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think Chicago, first of all, has a great improv scene, right? Okay. So they've got Second City and yes. Improv Olympic that all started started yeah. in Chicago. So they have that going for them. And a lot of uh, comedy writers and whatnot end up going to SNL and stuff like that from Chicago. And that's been historically the case. Yeah. But also the great thing about Chicago is that there's a fantastic theater community out there that exists where um, really good new plays are being developed all the time, mm. workshopped right okay. from like the beginning. You know, wow. I had a couple of plays that I did that, you know, one of them was called Disgrace that ended up winning a Pulitzer Prize. 
Because yeah. I was in another one that we started in Chicago called Elaborate Entrance of Chadidi. There was a Pulitzer finalist when we took it to New York. Um, so there's, there's almost like this incubator sort of environment over there. And as actors, because some of the houses are so small and intimate and there's so much, um, you know, uh, importance put on being a good professional um you know you can like in la you do a play and if something else comes up people are like peace i'm out of here mm-hmm. you can't do that in chicago once yeah. you're committed to a show you're committed yes. to that show they yes. don't care if there's something else comes up you know they yeah. contractually write you in right so there's this thriving scene where actors learn how to be working actors mm-hmm. you know in new york oftentimes i have some really talented friends who are out there and they keep trying to get gigs but the, it's a bigger pool so they're not yes. you know you become a professional auditioner do you know what I mean? Those As opposed yes. to professional yes. working actor, and in yeah. places like Chicago, there's the scene is big enough where you'll be you'll be noticed nationally if mm-hmm. the show does well, and it's small enough where you still have the opportunities. There are opportunities available to you because you're not playing against so many more people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So. Uh, I think it's a lot there. I mean, Tracy Letts is a fantastic. Yes. You know, he came out of Chicago. The whole yes. step and move scene. So, oh, yes. it's it's a good place, and I. I often say that a lot of my success that I'm having right now is uh, directly linked to my experiences in that city as an actor. And also apparently linked in terms of who you're working with these days. It's just yeah. happening. It's, it all, yeah. it's all the same mm-hmm. base. Um, one of the things I want to bring up is that you're an Obie Award winner. Oh, okay, yeah. That's right. And congratulations on that. And, that's, <laughs> and, and that was for something that was very personal to you, wasn't it? It was The Invisible Hand. You played Invisible Hand. Yeah, I played... Um, so Ayad Akhtar is this playwright who wrote Disgraced and he also wrote The Invisible Hand and he's a fantastic Pakistani-American writer. And he, So he wrote this story about a... Um, Oh, a, a banker who goes to Pakistan gets kidnapped by this organization who see themselves as as revolutionaries, freedom fighters. They don't define themselves as terrorists, or, right? You know, but they end up kidnapping the wrong guy. They kidnap <laughs> oh like the God. lower, you know, not as high level yeah. sort of bank guy as they thought. And so what happens is my character is this uh, British Pakistani kid with a very thick English accent, right? Oh, and he comes in and uh, he's disillusioned with being a minority in the UK and feeling like he's picked on by the police picked on you know just being brown which happens in the UK also folks absolutely you know so he goes to Pakistan looking to be inspired by something so he joins this organization they kidnap this guy and then this guy says well look I don't have 25 million dollars but I can learn how to work the stock I can teach you how to take advantage of the stock market so that you can earn my ransom you know and basically it's a great uh, you know sort of um, symbolism of how the West has sort of taught people, mm-hmm. you know, to take advantage of capitalism. Yes. And, you know, you so that in a way that all the things that we think are bad about uh, the other, those are all things that we've actually, as Americans, as mm-hmm. Westerners, have put on them, you know. So it's a really fantastic play. I got to play this great role opposite Justin Kirk from Weeds. Oh, yes. He's yeah. a great actor. A great yeah, actor. so the two of us really ripped it up every night on that yeah. stage in New York, and it led to me receiving an Obie Award, which was... Okay, first of all, how does that even feel? I mean, to like, <laughs> I mean, to win an award. I mean, because yeah. you're, not, you're not in it for the awards. I was in it to act. I yeah. Mean. It's great to feel... You know what it is? It's you suddenly feel validated. That some okay. of your work is is being appreciated by people that you respect. You know, the, vill- the Village Voice does the Obie Awards, yeah, and right. th- and it's an award that is not steeped in glamour. It's steeped in like respectability. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And yeah, people. I do. Uh, people who get it are oftentimes people who are um, working very hard and creating something that's meaningful. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that could be said about any award, I suppose. But I know, but you know, but so. you know, for me, it was one of the most important ones. You know, that award season, I was nominated for a few others, the Lord mm-hmm. Tells and the Drama Leagues, which are also fantastic. Oh, those are, yeah, those are, yeah, yeah right, fantastic right. awards. But to win an Obie was. 
it was meaningful in a way that you know it's hard to put into words. It's very for me. It's very New York. It's yeah. very New York theater because yeah. I mean it's off Broadway, but it's mm-hmm. still Broadway, so to speak. So yeah. it's like to me, that's one of the top ones you could get. Yeah, it certainly that, was for me. Yeah. yeah, in that field. Yeah, I mean it, it meant a lot to me, and again, just. Uh, being there that night and when they presented the award and going up on the stage and you know giving me the opportunity to address my peers and also the press and tell them how important it is that these stories of people of color are being told regardless mm-hmm. and you know that character for me what was great was I was able to get that audience to see this guy's perspective you know mm-hmm. what I mean that what he's doing is um is logical even though you might not agree with it you know what I mean yeah. like his beliefs are, are are from some sort of experience you know yeah. and getting them on my side I used to by the end of the show I used to have people you know white people come up to me and be like I was rooting for you even wow. though I knew I shouldn't be but I was rooting for you wow. you know so that's that's gratifying incredibly gratifying yeah. I mean because I mean I, I feel I get the sense from you and almost like what I try to do and, and all the things that I do mm-hmm. I'm always very conscious I'm a conscious performer I'm a conscious mm-hmm. person I always try to infuse some kind of of my truth yeah out in the world it's like you're the same way kind of you're very much about yeah. in some form you try to you try to sure. work it in there I think it's important for me whatever sort of character I play that they are, are built from a place of um, real honesty and uh, logic you know again I've because of maybe my the way I look you know tall dark bald head Mm -hmm. kind of severe looking to some people you know (laughs) Uh, I get to play these characters who are antagonists often you know and I think it's important to give them a bit of myself these characters but also to just make sure that people can see that there's logic and that somebody who's different than you also has a reason for doing the things mm-hmm. that they do, you know? And you may not agree with it, but as long as you understand it, that's what's important. You know? Yeah, that's true. Um, now, you also uh, wrote something, well, you yeah. wrote much things, but one of the things you wrote, of course, was uh, based on a true story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, it's my research, it's my research. Uh-huh. Um, but I find it was for Sketchbook. I find it very interesting. So tell us a little about that. Oh, gosh. Um, so let me see now. I've written a few... I'll make you go back in that one. Oh, no, so, yeah, yeah. I'll make you go back a little bit. Oh, yeah. It was based on a conversation I had with someone, like a, f- a Facebook argument. Yes, you know, that's, that's what you said it was. Yeah, yes. yeah. And uh, where um, we were talking about mascots and, like, school mascots. And I guess <laughs> there was some town in California that had, like, the the angry Arabs or something like that. And oh there, none God. of the people who went to that school were Arab, but oh, they had like this God. like over the top like guy with a turban and angry eyes oh and God. a sword. And there was another school that had like the Indians or something, but it was like, like, you know, this weird sort of m- mishmash of like Aladdin. Yes. The, you know, I, <laughs> anyway, so I, I decided to just write this piece about like, um, people confronting each other about yeah. about this issue you know yeah. about American sports and allowing this was also the time when the whole Redskins issue oh, was yes. as well oh yes so you know just a lot of my writing with that story and a few others is about like um perception right and how yeah. people are perceived based on their ethnicity and how you sort of challenge that you know and how you can um sort of cr- at least make your audience think about it I'm not in- interested in making anyone cha- you know change their minds but mm-hmm. if you're thinking about it that's good that's, enough. That's good enough for me. Yeah, I like that. That's good enough. Uh, we're gonna show also something because talk about his diversity. Uh, let's show this Eve Ensler clip. <laughs> a while back. Right, so I watch people walking down the street, and I'd be like, in her vagina, <laughs> not in her vagina, uh, in her. Oh, like <laughs> Tina Turner, in right, implanted, illuminated, transcendent, right. 
Oh my god. And you know, you can actually track her career and you can see where she literally like lands in her vagina, right? I mean, she was always in her vagina when she was in her younger years, but when she really landed in her vagina when she was in her 50s, you know, with what's love got to do with it after she left Ike. And it was just like, oh my god. And I would sit in the third row of all of her concerts so that I could sort of just, you know, sort of like. Like just, you know, osmose her, living in her vagina, into me, you know? Because that is what it looks like. That is what it truly feels like if you are fully incarnated in your body. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that great? I, know, I, I, I seriously, when I watched it, I was like, oh, I watched it like three times. I love that because... I took away stuff. I was like, oh my God, Tina Turner wasn't her vagina, her 50. Like, she was like into herself. Like, right. she was fully. I get what the point is yeah. coming across. Even as across you guys' vagina monologues. Uh-huh. And she's like, um, Dermot, uh, Dermot, Dermot, stepmother, I think it was. And also, like, it's related, related to him somehow. Um, so, how'd that piece, how'd that come to you? How did you get involved so with that? So, that's actually part of a, um, a, a one person show written by Anna Devere Smith. We love her. And right. Oh, my and God. And it was called Let Me Down Easy. And she toured it all over the country okay. where she played. It's, cre- it's incredible. It's like about 20 characters, wow. I think. And they're, it's about 100 pages. And they're just these oh, lengthy oh monologues. God. So, she toured it for a while all over the country. Eventually, she decided to finally give the rights to allow other people to do it. And yeah. so, I was the first male to perform. Yeah. This first person after Anna to perform it professionally, but also the first male, wow. and that was kind of controversial because people were like, "What's well, a lot of female roles in there?" And what are you yeah. saying? But we did it, and it's a fantastic sort of piece on um, on. It's not necessarily on death, but it's about healthcare and about okay. transitioning on to the next next life that we live in. And, and you know, I had the opportunity to play all these characters, and I got to say, it was exhausting because sure. I was only given about ten or eleven rehearsals. Um, to to work these 100 pages, 20 characters, everything from like a rodeo riding, you know, cowboy who has... Because a lot of these the stories are about people who get injured or hurt and then either they don't have the health insurance to cover wow. it, you know, and how they went about doing that and what happened to them. There's the people who've been, you know, cancer patients. Um, you know, there's a... At one point I played Lance Armstrong too, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. dealing with his thing as well. Yeah. And just being able to like really get... Uh, deep into the uh, psychology of all of these characters and to play them one after another. And and the show is set up in such a way that you're telling a full story within uh, uh, on yeah. the the outer structure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like from, yeah. From person one all the way to person 20. There's a story. There's a beginning, a middle, but, and an ending. Yeah. And each of them have their own stories as well. Wow. So it was exhausting. Very, very tiring. Yeah. Um, but really something I needed to do at one and point. character building. Yeah, incredible. Incredible I'm character sure. building, you know. And being yeah. able to like all right, how do I play a woman without being like, look, I'm playing a woman. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like without mocking it yeah. or, or minimizing it. So that was a really big challenge. And I had a great director, Bonnie Metzger, who's, um, you know, a force in the sense that she allowed me, she helped f- make sure I stayed in a place where, where I was respectful of everything that I was yeah. doing. So it never yeah. became about like clowning or mimicking yeah. something, you know? I, and the reason why I show that piece also, the other stuff is that you are having a diverse... <laughs> experience. Yeah. That, that I want to show other brown people out there 
that it, it is possible to have a diverse career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it takes a lot of work, yeah. and you certainly have to be committed to it, and you know, not give up. And sometimes it it requires also going to into avenues that aren't part of the norm. You know, like yeah. I think sometimes in Los Angeles, especially, people are so hell bent on like being on TV yes. that they forget that there's so many other ways yes. to create yes. and be a part of something, be an artist. You know, you don't have to. Yes. Constantly try to get on a network show. Yes, we we would like that. Sure, yes, you know everyone wants that yeah. sort of life, I suppose. But uh, it's important again. I think when you start, especially to be an artist first, mm-hmm. you know, and then you can be an actor or whatever it is. Or you can I define that. yourself that way. But be an artist and know what your art is and what you want to do, and that can shift and change all the time. Yes, you know, uh, we're. Uh, I can't remember who said this to me once. It was a long, long time ago. But they said that you know we as human beings are porous people. You know, you can yes, things I like come that. in, things come out. You know what I mean? I like that. And you should allow that to happen. So that's certainly how I've sort of tried to live my life, allowing myself to adjust. And you know, having lived in so many different countries and moving so much, you sort of have to be, you, have to, yeah. you know, uh, malleable in a way. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's I've been wow. lucky that way. You have been lucky. Now, I ask my guests the same two questions. I never prepped them oh. in advance, but every single guest who's been on the show is asked. Answer the same two questions, Usman. Okay, uh-huh. so be ready. Okay. okay, I'm all about language, yeah. and so one of the things I want to ask you is, yeah. what is one word that we should not say anymore? One word that we shouldn't say anymore. Yep. Take out vocabulary. Take out vocabulary. Hmm. One word that we shouldn't say anymore. I would say. Oh, gosh, that's a tough question. Like, you work for it. You come on the show, you make you work a little bit for it. <laughs> you are making me. Because I, I, really, I, I just believe that language can hold us back. It can propel us forward. It can move us sideways. I mean, language is a really, I mean, people say word's just a word, but mm-hmm. in some ways it isn't. And what you say to yourself sometimes is equally as important as what you're hearing to move you, to move you forward or, or change your mood. or. I guess, you know, I think... Uh, I think language is constantly evolving, and yes, certainly it's it's important that we we don't police it. I'm not saying you're policing yeah, yeah, it, no, but no. you know what I mean. But I suppose one word that's always like made me feel a bit uncomfortable is the word "colored." Yeah, you me know too. What I mean? Me you too. Know, like not just, and I think people right. sometimes don't realize why, but it's the idea of "colored." You know, like mm. you are colored a particular way, or and and growing up in Southern Africa had a different, completely different oh, connotation sure. too, because "colored" meant people who were half white and half black. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mixed race and people were called yeah. colored too. So it's one that's always just sort of like made me feel Good icky, answer. you know? And in, especially when I was in the South, in Florida, and for Ugh. grad school, you would Ugh. hear it quite a lot. Ah, I was I'm like, sure. They'd be like, well, you know, because you're... And these are like well-meaning liberal oh, yeah, people of course. Who, like, but who'd say things like, well, you know, as a colored person, I'm like, well, okay, we need to... Right. You know? That being said, you know, I understand, again, that's part of a, a language of a certain region, and that's, you know, that's an evolving language in that part of the world, but... You know, in terms of like that's what they use right now, and maybe they won't, or or maybe it, it's steeped in something that means something to them that doesn't mean something to me. I don't know, but that's been one that I get things like, you know, like I don't think of you as black. Yeah, it's like what does that mean? Like to me, it's like then what do you think black is? Yeah, well, why are you denying the fact that I'm right. black? Right. I'm like, we yeah. should look at color. I don't care if you look at color as long yeah. as you don't discriminate against it. Uh, you know what I hate is when people say, you know, I don't see color. Right, I hate that too. I'm like, w- then that what you're saying is that I'm invisible. It comes back to the whole yes, point I made about being the invisible it? minority. You I know what I mean? I thought that before. I'm like, I'm not saying you should uh, reject the fact that I'm different than you. I think yeah. you should accept the fact, embrace the fact that, I'm, that we're different. We can celebrate the yeah. fact that I'm different, you know, but we don't have to, it doesn't have to be something that's 
completely like, no, no, I don't see you that way. I see you just like me. I don't want to be seen just like you. you I, never I, mean? thought, I never thought of that part of it. I think it. we should keep our individuality oh, yeah, here, You know what I mean? Completely. But just, yeah. yeah so I like that. Um, number two, the, the, uh, the converse of that, mm. what word do you think we should say more of? I think we should be say uh, the word empathy more. Oh, been interesting. My big thing. I think people should say it, and I should think people should practice it. You know, a bit more, especially <laughs> in this day and age with the um, current administration that we live in. Yes, I think if you just say it, sometimes it'll remind you to be it. Do you know what I mean? To be empathetic. I, I agree with that. You know, so that's been my, my big uh, yeah. my big one these days. So before we, I could talk to you forever. No, oh, thank you. I could you, talk to you forever. You are just oh my god. Has been fun. You have to come back again. <laughs> yeah, I will. Again. You have a million problems. Just come back again. So as as we end this a little bit, I just want to know: Are you thinking about going back to any? theater soon I know uh, you're on TV I know you're busy TV and you're yeah. filming TV I certainly hope so I've had a couple of uh, people who've been interested in a few different theaters around the country and, and I'd really love to get involved with the right project yeah. um, and there have been some options um, I'd love to I have this dream of doing uh, Macbeth. Oh wow! Playing Macbeth. Now this wow. might be a pipe dream, but it's something that I say it out loud. It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. I'll put that out in the universe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that'd be great. But at the moment, I'm shooting. We'll be shooting. You know, season two yeah. for most of this year. So it kind of puts me out and of the game, why. and and for some of next year as well for season three. Um, he's working, folks. I mean, we're happy about that. You he's working. <laughs> yeah, but I just because you love theater. I, I do, and it's something you. I certainly want to go back to. Yeah. I'd love to experience some good theater in LA. I mean, I've done some. I've worked yeah. at the Geffen and at, at oh, a, yeah. the Falcon, which is a smaller oh, yeah. theater. But I'd love to be able to get involved with something. There's a here. lot of there's a lot of great here in LA. If you guys don't know, mm. there's a lot of great 99 seat theaters and front like the Greenway Arts. My friends did things over there or Odyssey yeah. Theater. I mean, there's a lot of theaters here that are smaller that are actually putting on interesting. I, mean, I, I try to see as many things I can see as I can. Mm. Interesting productions, yeah. from spoken word solo pieces to actual plays to yeah. musicals. It's, it's just there. I feel like they're trying a little bit here. Oh, now. sure, I think so. I mean, it's yeah. there. I know plenty of actors who are. Um, yeah. who are involved in the theater scene yeah. here especially like the uh, under 100 seat houses you yes know? it's a 99 seat theaters and that's, that's right 99 seats um, and so they're doing it I think sometimes there's just a lack of funding yep. over here compared to places like Chicago and there's not that much in theater in general but right. but over here it seems like it's really underfunded you it's know? not it's not as uh, high on the priority list here because everything is it's film and TV here yeah you're absolutely right where yeah. New York Chicago places where theater mm-hmm. is Probably even bigger than film and TV. I there. would say so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. Because yeah. New York and Chicago, I think so. Even mm-hmm. though film and TV does shoot there too, mm-hmm. uh, Atlanta right now it's heavily movies and TV there yeah, too. Yeah, I've never been. I've been to Atlanta as a visitor. I've never Did worked in Atlanta. Oh, wow, yeah, it's. I mean, everybody. I mean, Tyler Perry right down there is working. They're working yeah. out down there. There's a lot of shows. In fact, in Vancouver, there's a lot. Of TV I know. I was, I was in Vancouver. Um, I, I do a show here called When Calls the Heart. It's the after mm-hmm. show up there, and it's, it's based on that. We were in Vancouver, and it's. Yeah, and once upon a time's up there. There's a lot of uh, shows in Vancouver. Yeah. It's, it's it's a nice place. I love Vancouver. Yeah, it's great. It's so clean. It is very very. Clean. Oh my god, it was a subway. I'm like the subway, you have to be a floor. <laughs> I know. Oh, it was great talking. But wasn't, it, wasn't it nice to be able to use a subway? Yes. Right. <laughs> I liked Vancouver a lot. Actually, I stayed in the Richmond area. I had some good Chinese yeah. food, but I would take the subway in, and it was actually it was very nice. Yeah. They love their Tim Hortons up there, and they so do. They, they do. do. Like it. funny? I had met a Canadian on set here in LA who was like, "Did you go to Tim Hortons?" I'm like. <laughs> All right, I guess I yes. really have to go yes. to Tim Hortons. Yeah. And if you go to Portland, it's going to Voodoo Donuts. But now they have Voodoo Donuts here they at, at Universal City Walks. So I haven't they been do. there yet to get my maple bacon, bacon donut. <laughs> I'm going to get So this is Usman Ali. He's in, he's Right now, you can see him in a series of unfortunate events on Netflix. You can see him on 
Veep coming up, he said, probably a few weeks from now, mm-hmm. it's going to come up, that's on HBO, and Nobody's is on TV Land. Mm-hmm. Um, now, tell me on in that account where they can find you on social media. Oh, yeah, so uh, on Twitter, at Usman Ali, at Usman Ali, same thing for Instagram, at Usman Ali, and then I'm also on Facebook, but I think it's like <laughs> Usman Ali 1, I can't remember. It, you'll find me, just search find in Usman Ali on Facebook, me. you'll find it, yep. Thank you for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, it was My great pleasure. time. You guys, so Breaking Into is on uh, Black Hollywood Live, and you can go to our Facebook page and go ahead and like it and see this episode and more information on him on that page. Go ahead and like it and say hi to me while you're there. Uh, also, you can go to um, iTunes and we're there actually under Breaking Into under Black Hollywood Live and we're on YouTube too. So you can find us everywhere and see this episode or my 900 other ones I have on there. Go ahead and watch them and tell me what you think. Tell us what you think about the episode. Think about him. I like to read your comments. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye. See ya. Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.